When you build a house, you need a blueprint. But when you play D&D, you may run a module that gives you a plot, but there's no blueprint for how your players interact with each other or the world around them. A planning session, sometimes called session zero, can help make sure that player and DM expectations are in sync. We discuss what makes a good session zero, this week on Dungeons and Tangents. I am not a particularly experienced DM. I think I have run four or five campaigns total ever. And almost every time, either there's no session zero, I just tell everybody, hey, bring some characters and we'll start playing. Or session zero is we sit down and I help people who have never played D&D before build characters. And that's it. Um, But the concept of session zero, I think, goes way beyond just, hey, build some characters and I'll be here to help you read the book. Mm Mm-hmm. I don't know. Like, Ben, have you... Well, so when I did... When I GM'd the one and only game that I ever GM'd of Fate, uh, I... They gave... There are some suggestions uh, of what you can do, but what I did was basically make a... Create a session where essentially all... uh, all the 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 only prep work that the characters did was think of a concept for their character. Mm-hmm. I didn't have them write anything down, and then I immediately started uh, like an intro session. So as we played, they they decided what stats they wanted where. I'm trying to think of the words that they use in Fate since it's was not it the same. But yeah, like aspects and several sessions later, did they start to actually add? everything into their character like their character developed as we as we played but the mechanics it, of it did, yeah but yeah but the yeah the aspects I, I basically just had them like i said before we started the session uh like you should all have at least like two. these two yeah uh like your you should definitely have your high concept um and you should at least have some sort of problem aspect by the end of the session and all of your stats should be more or less mapped out but i didn't really have them figure out what they wanted until they were prompted to roll that approach or they were going to approach something with that approach so and the equivalent in D D would be like you got your stats and maybe you don't have your background figured out or you don't have your your flaw bond ideals and whatever those there's, I always forget the fourth one. It's it's yeah. the stuff that's in the top right of the new new the fifth edition character sheet. Flaw, bond, thing, and other thing. I don't know. Well, one was just background. Well, background is like I'm a criminal, or I was royalty, or I am royalty. But then from those, you um, create kind of aspects of your your backstory. And there's your yeah. flaw, which is like, I am, uh, if I'm a criminal, I can't, I can't pass up stealing something if I see it. Yeah. And that's, it's, it's something that can get you in trouble. And your bond is like, somebody killed my father, so I want to go kill them. My name is Amigo Montoya. <laughs> I killed my father. I'm prepared to die. Right. That's, that's like, 
it's something that compels you to to do actions. Yeah. And then the other two aspects, I think they're equivalent to aspects in in fate. I can't remember, but anyway, you're saying that that the, the character creation wasn't totally. Yeah, I think. I mean, I think it's a little bit harder to do it in D and D since there's more. Like, if you choose a class, you need to know what they can do. You can't just go into it kind of blind. Yeah. Whereas with like fate, there's not classes. You just right. You just, you just say make character. I want to be a vampire hunter. I'm going to be like Van Helsing. Yeah. And then and you, you know, you choose aspects that are appropriate for that and set your attributes to how you think that character would, what they would need in order to be that. So yeah. I think oh. it's a little bit more difficult, but Robert possible for uh, D and D you choose a background and then you get your personality traits, your ideals, bonds and flaws, personality traits. That's the thing. And ideals; those are the two that I f- always forget. I like that they added that though, because it makes yeah. it so that you people who don't normally just write like a huge background down for their characters, they have some sort of starting point, and it makes it what what I like is that it kind of pushes the characters to be more involved and have some sort of something that helps drive the plot it makes it a more cooperative game which is what i want is a more yeah. cooperative experience and even if you just did your background like if you just before this you like oh i'm this person from you know woods i'm a ranger and all that it doesn't actually help you like how to role play that person like your personality and in the new 5e stuff like it actually gives you some tips of like there's one like i'd rather eat my armor than be wrong right like which <laughs> Seems simple, but it's a, it's a great way to kind of introduce you. Like, this is the way my character is going to behave or interact with other people and stuff like that. M- Michelle really plays her. I can't not steal something. Like yeah, this, this. <laughs> and it's almost gotten her in trouble a couple times, which is great because that that makes it more interesting. Exactly. Um, but so beyond just building characters, that's like uh, from everything I've read about session zeros i i don't have experience doing a good one and i kind of like like we're going to do a session zero sometime soon mm-hmm. and i want to do a good one i'm so, still very fuzzy on the concept of a session zero well and i i another idea that i feel like works that i actually read about somebody doing um and i think work would work for dnd2 even after you've fully made your character yeah is to do basically like uh, kind of a flashback. So yeah. you start off in the middle of a huge mess. Yeah. Like that you got your, that somehow you guys got yourselves into and you flashback to how you got there in the beginning. Uh, and I think that would work. Like you could even do that for like how you originally met your group. Like you could start off in the middle of like a bar brawl uh, and for some reason you're all standing back to back fighting with each other. How did you get to the, into that situation? You flash back to like the beginning mm. like that. That would be neat. That, and, but there's, there's a, I like that idea and I'm probably going to use that idea. The, the, the one thing is that you kind of have to, you know, you can't, you have to end up there eventually. Right. So your, your flashback has to lead in some way to, yeah. If you're jumping forward, that has to actually happen. So you can't let the characters be like, okay, well I'm going to never go to this town with this bar <laughs> ever. And my thought was, uh, I, th- I've been planning this for, for months, having you guys play 
the children, a, a, you guys growing up in a, in a town and what you were like as children for like a day or two. And that's it. And that's how you meet and how you come together to, to know one another and then flash forward three, five, six years, however long, doesn't matter, to now you're like second level characters because we're going to like skip first level and go. Since and so it's kind of like a prologue. Yeah, it doesn't have to be a flashback, mm-hmm. but um, it yeah, that sounds neat. As long you. as everybody is but, of the same understanding that like that's how we all met and everything. Like, right. Yeah. Well, and and this gets into okay. So I think that's kind of that's a that feels like session one to me again because it's after we've done all the prep work for building characters. Now maybe. You know, your character sheets are just like, maybe we don't even use character sheets for that. It's just an all role play. Anyway. So are we saying that session zero is just building characters? No, I think it's more. Okay. I mean, can we establish what session zero is? Right. So I think it's, it's coming together as a group of people, not DM and players and figuring out what do we want to play together? like coming to agreement about that, which fate does like they mechanically build that into the game, right? Mm -hmm. You build the world together. You decide on what kind of problems you want to solve. I mean, I mean, you don't have to do it that way, but yeah, that's right. The idea is that that's what you're supposed to do. Everybody should, should have some sort of weight in the world and the story because it's supposed to be an entirely cooperative experience. Right. Which I mean, D and D, Generally, as a DM, I'm going to come to the table with d- having done a shit ton of prep work because that's, for whatever reason, my bizarre masochistic way of, of playing a game is to do prep work for three months before playing the game. But normally, I just show up and I'm like, okay, guys, bring whatever you got at me and let's see if your characters can can handle it. And if you can't, oh well, rather than... We all get together, and you guys say, I wa- really want to do a murder mystery. I'm like, great, okay, well, give me a couple weeks, and I'll write up a murder mystery, and we'll start from there. Like, it, it can be that sort of experience, Yeah. in theory. Yeah, I, I mean, I think that everybody should come to the table with some sort of idea of what they want, though. Like, even if it's just somebody, like, shooting off an email saying, like, hey, would you guys be interested in a yeah. in a game about uh, you guys being aliens and you go to a go to Earth or something? Yeah. Then everybody should at least agree to that before coming to the table because otherwise people are going to potentially all want to do something completely different. And while a lot of the time... Like that can be good, and you can meet somewhere in the middle and mesh it together. Like you might end up with somebody at the table that's just pouty the whole game because <laughs> they didn't want to do anything that ended up well, resulting. Yeah, in so that. it seems like that session zero concept happens a lot organically before. Like, like hey, like the first D and D group I joined when I moved to Portland, I found on the D and D forums on their website. It's like, hey, I'm going to run a game. It's going to be like this. If you're interested, hit me up. And so I emailed. Right. Ken and said, hey, this sounds really interesting to me. I'd like to meet up, right? Um, so the people who were interested in that concept reached out as opposed to grabbing a predefined group of people and saying, "How do you want? what do you want to do? We'll pick something. To Ben's point, like, well, there's a very possibility that somebody's not going to be happy with that. But because we've already dist- we determined who's going to play before we determined concept, we 
aren't necessarily in a good spot to make sure everybody's got the equal amount of enthusiasm for that concept, right? Right. Yeah, I think if you're in, if you're with a if you're playing with a close group of friends, you might be able to do that. But with uh, otherwise, I feel like someone's yeah, going to be upset. If we got five people together and you know, like, hey, you want to play? And then you know, twenty minutes later, they'll land on Monopoly. I'm going to bounce. Well, yeah. I'm, that's not that's not, <laughs> not what I got. What I came there for, right? Yeah. Like, uh, and so in a, in a lot of ways, the DM is usually the person who kind of initiates. Hey, here's what I'm I'm going to present to you guys. And like when I started the flex group, it was just sort of, hey, you want to play D and D, and everybody's got it in their minds. Okay, that's like um, Lord of the Rings, but we roll dice, right? So I'm like, yeah, close enough, close enough, whatever. Um. Show up and you'll find out. Yeah. Well, and there's so many video games out there that the people have their expectations set mm-hmm. that a fantasy role-playing game goes like X. How should I dress? Uh, what? <laughs> <laughs> should always wear a cloak and a tunic. Yeah. And usually tights. <laughs> I, we, I don't, if it's I don't. I don't ever dress up, just for the record. No, okay. <laughs> I have, but only because I was vaguely involved with the SCA at one point. I have a lot of friends who are in the SCA, so... You don't have to qualify. It's okay. (laughs) If somebody's standing up at the table or dressed up, you know, that's too close to LARPing for me, and I have to draw a line somewhere. So when I stand up and walk around, yeah, it's a little too too much. It's too much. Okay. I dressed up, but only because it was a Saturday. (laughs) (laughs) So anyway, the the D&D... The D&D... The DM... Is kind of they're doing all that that coordination work to like. Um, usually, when I'm when I'm running a game, it's I walk around and I talk to a bunch of people or I email a bunch of people. And I'm like, hey, you want to play D and D? And it's just that. Do you want to play D and D? And they don't really ask for a lot more granularity than that. They don't ask, well, is it going to be a dungeon crawl or is it going to be a role playing heavy thing? Are you going to be doing political intrigue? Are you going to do mystery murder or? You know, it, it it doesn't. We don't get into that granularity. It's yes, no, or what is D and D? Right. Uh, but I think we would probably all benefit from having that discussion, talking about what it is that you really enjoy about D and D, so that me as a DM, I can reset my. Let's be uh, honest. We're all gonna be murder hobos. Well, that's anyways. that's fine <laughs> if that's what you want to do. Not really. Okay. No, I, and I don't really like running a game with a bunch of murder hobos because it feels like it's kind of trite. Yeah. It's, it's just it's running the same uh, the same campaign that a million people have run before, and it doesn't get exciting. But that means, uh, and this was something Matt Coville he put a video out last week or week or two ago. Anyway, recently put a video out about. Um, pitching the campaign and when you pitch your campaign to your players it I mean my pitch is usually hey do you want to play D&D but it could be hey do you want to play D&D um, you're going to be dealing with uh, a world where vampires have taken over a section of the world and you're in the uh, outskirts of this society and trying to survive in it um, you're part of a, a an underground that's that's fighting against the vampires. What do you think about that? And it's it's going to be there's going to be a, probably equal parts role playing and combat, but it's going to be you know pretty much 
between that you're working your way up to the to the lead vampires and you know that's 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 the deal so that's a that's a pitch and then i could say or you know we could just do a a big dungeon crawl you're you're going through effectively the mines of moria or yeah mines of moria and uh fighting your way through because you're on an epic quest to to deliver frodo to uh mordor like which one of those do you want to do we and why? just use the eagles. <laughs> <laughs> um, we did the Lost Minds of Fendelver. I remember this, we put up an Obsidian Portal page. Yeah. And on, on that, it actually had a page for like the, the opening encounter hook with, with Gundren, where he comes up to you, approaches you, yeah. hires you in the tavern, and then it was like... And then we just sent that link to players and said, hey, do you want to play? Okay, great. Here's the link. Let us know what right. kind of character you are. And it it also... Uh, it leads into the 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 buy-in that that led into the buy-in that you have to buy into something other than just we're going to be a bunch of murder hobos with with the vampire survival uh scenario you have to buy into the fact that you are part of the mortals working against the undead and you believe in that cause if you don't believe in that cause and you just go off and start murdering every human or undead or anything that you see, you become murder hobos and it's a boring game again. Yeah, I think at least the most beneficial thing that has ever come out of some sort of Session Zero in every game that I've played has been when there's some sort of intertwining theme of why our characters are together to begin with mm-hmm. um, because as soon as you lose that then people just go off on their own tangents mm-hmm. and some of them become murder hobos other people are just like turning a blind eye to everything that they do so that they have mm-hmm. a reason to stay with stay as a group and while you know like sometimes inner party conflict is good like having something to drive everyone towards keeps them on track so that they don't lose sight of why they're playing this game and they don't like upset everyone and make the dm not want to play the game anymore (laughs) so something that 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 pulls inherently pulls your characters together yeah at all times yeah the most i mean the most fun games that i've played were were games where like oh this like even though we might not all agree on everything like this is why we're together like we're all part of this noble family that Mm. is dying out and we have to make sure that we like keep our legacy going so like uh one character was the heir uh one was like a distant cousin that was in the army at one point and is just now coming back uh I was a bodyguard to the air. Um, somebody was like the the priest for the family, basically. Um, they like officiated everything, and um, and then one was like the the family spy or whatever. So it's it's like you all had bonds. Like if you were going to fill out the bond section of your, yeah. your character sheet, it would say, "I am bound to the family because." And Dungeon World has a has a specific section called Bonds where you write in characters' names and has prompts for oh. how you're related to them. And oh my god, that's brilliant! And by meeting those bonds, you get experience. Oh my god, that's brilliant! As part of the session, so that reminds me of uh, Hunter X Hunter, Kilia's family. Uh huh. Totally, what it reminds me of. 
Is this like an anime? Yeah, it's uh, anime. Okay. No, I don't watch enough anime. It's okay. I watch. I, I forgive watch. you. Oh, okay. <laughs> Thank you, Lord. <laughs> <laughs> Your sins have been absolved. <laughs> uh, but I, I think that's brilliant because if you have those bonds, then it, as characters, you're working towards something. It's it's not just like oh we're here we have swords I guess we got to use them yeah um, if you're um, I don't know I'll go back to the the vampire thing if you're all uh, working to save humanity in a in a pseudo post apocalyptic situation <clears throat> then you're your bond is to humanity itself, but hopefully your characters are connected to one another as well. Like it, it yeah. can't just be, I, I like your example way better than mine. Cause mine is just, you're a human. So you have a reason to fight the vampires, but you should have more of a reason to fight for your fellow players. Yeah. And then that way, I mean, it's good to have a ultimate goal for the group too, but then that way, even if there's only one person that's really like driving the story with their, with what they want to, what goals they want, um, then everybody else, if they're all thematically like attached to that person, they have a reason to follow them and help them meet their goal and not just be like, okay, I'm going to just go murder the student, steal some shit from him. Uh, you can go do whatever you want. Uh, I don't really care. Well, and this can play into those bonds with one another can play into the player, uh, dynamic. Like, we we struggled with the fact that <clears throat> Michelle is new to the game, so she's not going to be the driver. She's not going to yeah. take control of the situation, run run forward. And Ben, you're not normally comfortable with. You've done it, yeah, but it's not your sweet spot. Robert, you generally are the person who's like, I'm going to take control and and drive this forward. So if they the two of them are bound to you in some meaningful way, your character, then it it. It, like it plays off of your natural dynamic. <clears throat> yeah, I suppose <laughs> you don't I, want that responsibility. Yeah, I really don't. Yeah, yeah. I mean, but, it's, it's good to share it. It's yeah. good to have multiple drivers. I, I think so too. I, I just, I we've talked about this before. I think it's important that everybody gets to drive at some point. Yeah. Yeah. Hopefully during a session, but at least definitely during some morning campaign where everybody be, gets to like, everybody follows your lead. Right. It's, I think it's really good. It's not necessary, but I think it, it feels good that everybody gets to experience that. Yes. Um, and part of the, the, a big part of that is if somebody is typically driving things, they need to be able to pull back and let people experience that. You know, I don't like to drive things all the time because, um, I don't want to play over somebody else, and also too, like I don't. I I want. I like to experience kind of that that back seat sometimes too, where I'm just kind of along for the ride, um, and not necessarily pushing things forward. Yeah, um, and, and well, in a lot of the games that I've played, it's usually like the DM is at, at least having one scenario at least one session that kind of showcases a single character in the group too it's like oh this is your session like you're gonna shine in this like 
you're the mechanic character. Like, there's going to be so much shit to tinker with. There's going to be some robots to get by. There's <laughs> going to be some, like, mechanical doors that you can... You'll probably be the one to get through, like... And, so. and leading has a typical style to it that a person has, like, because they think a certain way. And so... If the same person always leads, you may not be able to get to experience the style of somebody else, right? Yeah. Like the way that Ben or Michelle approach problem solving, it's going to be totally different than the way I do it. And so we want to make sure that we're not missing out on the way Ben problem solves. Ben did it before in the um, the, the the pickup group, right? The, um, the, flex, the flex group? group? Oh, yeah, okay. where we were doing something and... Ben brought a role-playing style of right. problem-solving to it that we hadn't experienced before because we were all focused on the rules. Right. And, but once we did it, we started seeing that more and more every single session. We started to enjoy that part of the, the game more and more after he did it, right? Like, we saw that with, with Brittany and her, her druid. Like, it started to introduce a different way to approach problems and a different way to approach the game that we would never experience if Ben hadn't taken the lead. So right. I think it's important to make sure that we get to experience those different styles. But... I guess, uh, so the point that I was making with with saying that because you're a natural leader, your characters could, like, kind of mirror the, the, the play style of the players, having your characters have a bond of some sort that, that pulls you together, like the example with uh, the, the royal family, that that makes it so that your role playing is not all just kind of a mess. Yeah. You're, you're, you inherently are working together. If, if you're all brothers and sisters, Mm -hmm. then you are literally bound to one another, regardless of what happens in that game. Uh, or, and you can't get away from that, that bond. And that's, I'm, I'm, I think that that sort of bond, some sort of very underlying character bond, at least talking about it during zero uh, session zero, means that you can um, you can potentially keep the char- keep your characters from falling into the ruts of becoming murder hobos mm-hmm. or just boring they, they characters. Kind of keep each other in check. <clears throat> Too. Yeah, it's not just the DM's job. It also kind of lets you set kind of a, a perception for everybody of where everybody stands with each other as well, too. Because without those bonds, like Ben's character may Ben may not know how their, his character kind of relates to my character, right? Yeah. Um, and it kind of like, oh, okay, no, we're we're brothers, and so we'll we'll do this and that, or supposed to like, well, my character doesn't know Ben's character. Why would you do that for him? Right. Or maybe he does. Maybe he should. I, I don't know. Like, does that seem like a natural way for that to progress? You, you don't know. And I might have a different perception than he does, but yeah. we have some, yeah. a, a, a concept that kind of brings us all in, in line aligned. It can help that as well. Which, and I think every game that we've played before, uh, I, I haven't like tried to pull that out of you guys. I haven't helped you to, to lay the groundwork for how your characters are connected to one another. Well, I mean, every game that I've ever played, I think it's perfectly natural. When you get new characters involved, there's this kind of filling out process of the first couple of sessions where you're like, okay, well, how do we interact with the character's style and all that? Anything that you can do to help jumpstart that process is going to be helpful. Yeah. Yeah, and I mean, so... 
to give the specific example of the game that I was playing before, when I was the bodyguard and the noble uh, person that was like the heir, uh, that character was like a garbage person. Um, <laughs> they had lots of vices. They just awesome. did whatever it was that they wanted to do. And I was basic. I was like an honor bound, like came from a long line of great bodyguards. So I was like, I had to put up with it because otherwise I would put my family to shame because I'm supposed to be coming from a long line of bodyguards. I have to do my job, even though this person is garbage. (laughs) So like I was, you know, I was kind of letting them do what they wanted to do, but at the same time pulling them away when I know that they were going to put themselves in danger and like sighed a lot. Um, (laughs) and, but I still had to, you know, put up a good front every time that I, that we came across people that were going to do them harm. That, that's, that's so it so worked great. out really well. Like we were very different but, characters, but we had a reason to stay together. Right. That's so I think that's so great because you you are forced together. Uh, it's like Michelle was saying; she loves locked room uh, movies where you force a bunch of characters into a room together and they have to work out whatever their problems are with one another. And that's this. I mean, even though you're probably running through dungeons and and dealing with problems you you have to deal with one another and because you have that groundwork to know why like in your situation the, the footing is a little uneven between the two of you that makes it so much more interesting and it, it helps tie it together too in that a lot of podcasts if you listen to actual play in the beginning let's say there's four different characters mm-hmm. it feels like you're listening to four different stories that happen to be happening yeah. in the same place at the same time yeah um and it isn't until like there's a there's this tipping point in a lot of the podcasts i listen to where what do you, what do you want to do i want to open this what do you want to do i want to open that and then at some point something happens and instead of just getting this you know as a the person running the game you ask your players and what they want to do all of a sudden your players start having this interplayer dialogue. Right. And I've almost never heard that out the gate on a podcast, like an actual play, but it happens like usually within session three or four. And then all of a sudden it feels like it's the same story. It's not four separate stories. It's the same story because they're talking to each other. And that's probably why I'm a bit um, attracted to critical role because when uh, at the beginning of critical role, when they started broadcasting it, it's, like three years into their campaign already. Like they've been playing together and they know one another and they're, they're all actors. So they all know how to kind of present their characters well. And right out the gate, it looks like one unified story is, is happening. And I'm suddenly exposed to this story that that's been going on for years, apparently. And I'm like, Holy crap, what's going on here? This is, this is a fully realized reality that they have. And also, if, if you're not like a stage actor, if you're not doing those, those kinds of things a lot, just the just the, the simple act of trying to tell a, a story collaboratively, mm. not characters, but actual players, there's a process of filling out like what's in balance, what out of balance. Am I stepping yeah. on what you're trying to do? Am I am I not giving you enough to play off of? And, and it it's a weird process to go through. If you haven't gone mm-hmm. through it before. I've gone through it before, not a lot, but you know, I, I played before. It's still a weird process for me. Like yeah. it, 
and I have to start from scratch every time I'm playing with different people, you know? Right, because it's totally different dynamics with different players. And different people, will, it will feel natural for or unnatural for. Like, for me, it feels very unnatural, and I have to kind of push through it. Um, I don't do a great with, job of it, but... Working with other people always feels unnatural. Yeah. <laughs> to me. Yeah. See? <laughs> and that's why we play these games, so we can feel more natural playing games. I, I play instead of working with people. What? A murder hobo. So okay, you prefer already. We have a disconnect. <laughs> <laughs> Do you actually prefer doing murder hobo? I, I don't, but I it's what feels the most uh, familiar, and so I fall okay. into it without thinking about it very easily. Okay, I think a lot of players do that without thinking about it, especially and, if they yeah. played a lot of D anD D and they've played it in a way that doesn't involve like getting characters to to be on the same page and work together and have a a connection to some well if their dm doesn't say here's here's your connection to some greater good and playing this game you need to care about that i i expect you to care about that otherwise everything falls apart i also have some previous dm trauma where being a murder hobo hobo was the only way to survive the campaign (laughs) like the dm the dm was out to get me okay Uh, not me specifically like all of us and so yeah it's all it's also uh, detrimental when like there are players that are trying to be good and then there's a murder hobo but they seem to be able to get everything done easier right and then it just makes the person who's actually trying to play eventually yeah. like slowly devolve into like i'll just be a murder hobo it's easier that way right i've done that for uh, sure and, and as a dm it's like if if you have no moral qualms about doing anything yeah, you can you can murder everyone and you can get everything, you could steal everything, you could do everything you want to do. And if me as a DM, what can I do? I I mean I can I can reprimand in prison and then right. the game's over. <laughs> right. Now I've ruined, or, you know, you could continue it and have us break out of prison. Yeah, but there should be repercussions. Yeah. And I guess that's the that's the thing is that if perspective I perspective failing forward. Right. That does. <laughs> yeah. Um, I should I should have that more. If if you are a murder hobo, you're going to run into consequences. You're going to succeed, but you're going to fail, and those failures are going to to come back to haunt you, bite you in the ass. I think a lot of times people fall into it because it doesn't necessarily seem like the easier option, but it might seem like the only option. And then once they've done it two or three times, it's just it's habit. It is the only yeah. And so it, it's important early on to establish. And you don't have to do it like overtly, but as try to make it very obvious, like there is another option that's going to have a good reward to it that doesn't involve devolving into immediate combat, right? Well, and I, I, I think that session zero can be the place where the DM says, "We not just the DM, we all say, do we want to avoid murder hobo uh, behavior? And if we do, how are we going to do that? And if we don't." then the theme that ties us all together is we all came from a, the same psych ward. Yeah. <laughs> well, and, and see, and, and that, that's a great bond. <laughs> yeah. and, and then also like, okay, as players, if we're going to avoid that, if we're actively going to avoid that, when we make a decision to avoid that, you're not then going to turn and kill us all. Right, right. No, I have to, I have to buy into that as well yeah. as the DM. I have to say, this isn't a game about a world that is so threatening to you and to everyone that it's, it, it's kill or be killed right. every day, every mo- moment of the day. But if we agree to that, and the first two sessions are kill or be killed every day, every day, like <laughs> you lost that buy-in. Yeah, absolutely. I, I mean that. 
uh, I feel like the, the, the buy-in needs to be not just saying I buy into this, but building it into your characters, into my world, into every interaction. It has to be, there has to be follow through in that buy-in. Otherwise it's going to fall apart really fast anyway. So if you haven't played, uh, Lost Minds of Fandelver, a little bit of a spoiler alert, but I think it's a great example insofar as that you get a lot of role-playing and decision-making and character interaction um, at a certain point in that campaign, but it's yeah. straight-up hostile encounters, encounters until you get up to that. So it, it, it kind of sets a tone yeah. where you could do other things, but the easiest, straightest path is kill everything. Yeah. And then you get to a point where the, everything changes. But at that point, you've trained your players, which is a little interesting because I think it's yeah. a great a great campaign and I love it. Yeah. But it is for beginning players and it does train them for the first couple of sessions. If you see it, kill it, right? Like, yeah. that's going to be the best way to move forward. And, and then... Um, I know why they did that. It switches all of a sudden. I, yeah, I know why they did that because you can't open with four hours of dialogue everybody's going to be bored. So it's you open with action, like the first, yep. first hour of play, suddenly you're, you're in action and then you're in action and you're in action and it's exciting and it gets you engaged in the game. And then let's have four hours of dialogue where we get you engaged yeah. in the story. Like when we did it, it was wait, It felt like two sessions. I think it was actually one session where we got to Fandelver in one session. Yeah. That's where yeah. it ended. But, it was, a long but it was a lot. We had multiple encounters. Yeah. Like, it was mm. almost pure combat. Um, and it, and, and everybody had a lot of fun. I mean, it wasn't like five it wasn't or six fun, encounters. but six. Second session, it was fantastic. There wasn't a single uh, combat encounter in the second no. session. And I think we played for like five or six hours. Yeah. Um, and it was a, a dramatic change of pace. And I think you can change your pace like that during a session. But if you do it between sessions, like one session is all this and mm-hmm. one is all that, it has a very jarring effect of like, well, that wasn't what I expected at all, right? But, <clears throat> I mean, you're, I, th- I think your point was that it train the players to think that combat is what D and D is. Yeah. It, it trained them. How, this is how I'm going to respond to an encounter. Yeah. Or this is how, I, this is how you play D and D you kill things. Mm-hmm. That's, that's D and D. I don't think you should do all the, everything role playing either. I well, would no. say if you can mix it in where all those encounters yeah. had equally viable options, then later on you could sprinkle in like where, okay, where it's really weighted one way or the other. Right. But let the players discover their preferred style of play naturally, and then you can lean into that and, and veer away from that every once in a while. Which I, I feel like that leads into something that I just realized. If you're playing with people who have never played before, a session zero is going to be very different than if you play with people who have played before. Like all of my session zeros before have literally been let's build characters because you don't know how to build characters. And and that's that was just the nature of playing with people who've never played before. If people have played before, then they can talk intelligently about what they like and they don't like. Yeah. So if, I, if I've never played before, I or if, if I have played before, let's say I play a rogue, right? I know all about sneak attack. I know all about my different like options for sneaking around or stealth, uh, pickpocketing, lockpicking. I might go two sessions before I ever use them, right? 
but I know about them. I, I'm just not using them. I don't, maybe I don't think it's appropriate. I might be thinking yeah. in my head, but I know about them. I've never played before, and I go two sessions. I have no clue what my options are, right? Right. right. Unless they're presented to me. And Which so, is what Michelle was up against that problem for our first three sessions together, mm-hmm. is that she's like, I don't know what I can do and what I can't do. And then this week, this last weekend, I was like, okay, let's sit down. I'm going to give you a tutorial run-through, and we're going to play every single mechanic of combat and sneaking and role-playing and everything. You're going to see the gambit of it so that when you go into play, when we talk about our next uh, run-through of playing, when we go into session zero, you know what we're talking about, and it's not going to be like, what the, I don't know. Let's just play some D&D and I'll learn while we play. And there's so much to absorb if you've never played before when you're yeah. going that the player's handbook. It's incredibly intimidating. Yeah. Trying so, to figure it out. So now Michelle's had five sessions of D&D, uh, two one-on-ones with me and then three with you guys. And I feel like she's just yeah. bare, like she understands it just now. Mm-hmm. She's experienced everything once, maybe maybe twice. Maybe well, three times for certain and things. And she's only played one class, too. Right. So. Just a rogue. She's never seen a spell cast in those five sessions. Yeah. And, <laughs> I mean, you don't necessarily need to know all the mechanics to know what you like and what you want to do. Like, you can just say, I want to do this. But, yeah, yeah as a player who's never played before, you, you don't... Uh, you probably feel like you're going to step on somebody's feet if you try to say something that... And then everybody looks at you like you can't cast spells, like you right, don't have right. that ability. And and you know, we're all uh, we're all introverts. Otherwise, we wouldn't be playing uh, tabletop <laughs> games. So we're all afraid of of yep. ruining the uh, the atmosphere by by stepping on people's feet. But you have to at some point. Otherwise, there yeah. is no atmosphere. Yeah. And that's how we grow as people. Do we? What? Because <laughs> we're introverts, or so we don't want to step on feet. But sometimes you have to step on feet uh-huh. in order to grow. Yeah, indeed. And to grow wounds on other people's feet. I think we're done now. <laughs> it's, it's devolved into nonsense. I'm I'm struggling very hard to understand what, I, what I'm hearing right now. So yeah. <laughs> okay, what have we learned today? Um, close the door. Yeah. <laughs> um, so there's somebody vacuuming outside. Uh, while playing your D, while playing D and D with uh, Ben, watch out for your feet. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Um, take the time to to think about what your experience, what your players are experiencing, what their point of view is. A session zero is going to be different depending on if you have experienced players, non experienced yeah. players, and, and what are they hearing and what does it mean to them. Um, if I'm hearing a bunch of things like sneak attack damage and all that, all of a sudden I'm thinking of you know somebody who's getting to act first initiative and all that. If somebody who's never played before hears sneak attack damage, they're not they're yeah, hearing they just, numbers yeah, and yeah, it doesn't make any sense. Nothing. There's no context for them, right? So yeah. try and keep that in mind when you're trying to present these concepts to them. And and some people are going to need to be guided or or, or helped along and or just kind of you know they're, they're not going to know what isn't isn't allowed and. Again, it's very intimidating when you first crack open that PHB. It's there's a lot of stuff there that doesn't make any sense, and it's not going to make sense until you start to get some context around it. Either playing or listening to an actual play or something like that, um, and it's okay. Just lean into it, push forward, and then just have faith that it, you're, you're going to start to pick it up. I have learned that 
I am. I don't think I'm going to start another game of D and D without having a session zero and asking the players, "Why are you connected to one another? What are your? Mm-hmm. Why are you bound to one another?" Because, yeah, and yeah, and don't also don't fall into the trap of just saying like, "Oh, you all work for this place." Like you should have, like you were suggesting, like you should have some sort of drive too along with the theme because otherwise. Hmm. Like I've, I played games where it was just like you're you're all part of a circus troupe, and it kind of devolved. It didn't. Oh, really? It didn't really work because the whole game was not about being in that circus. That, the circus, like none of it had to do with that. Uh, we all just had different weird like acts <laughs> that we that we did and that made us function as a group but not function like together like right it wasn't a personal bond it was a yeah it was effectively a working connection I've already thought of a way to start a campaign on that with as circus folk yeah <laughs> that's a really good one uh, it's it's not the only someone like, stole the lion <laughs> you gotta get it back well i mean because like, that's actually completely diverse right yeah so let's say you you have that kind of a, a, a circus trip environment, right? Mm-hmm. Um, you don't have to be the same race, class, you, you know, yep. same origins from the same region, anything like that. Let's say uh, a noble's child went and there was a freak accident and they died. And so like <laughs> they all had to go to the jail and you three are on the run from the law. Yeah. So you don't have to be anywhere near the circus. You're not doing circus work. In fact, you're trying not to do circus work at all because well, you don't want to stand out. Like, however, that still doesn't necessarily tell you together. Like, you can yeah. be on the run and split off. Like, oh, I don't care if this guy gets out of prison. Like, I want to get out of prison. Like, yeah, I think the the, the bond thing to me is it's got to be really deep. Yeah. It's got to be something you can't run from. And, I mean, it's not entirely up to the DM to have no. that responsibility, no, too. No, no. The players should have investment in it, too. Yeah, I think, I think, and I think that's, what I've learned is that that session zero is not about the DM telling the players. It's about everybody working together to mm-hmm. say, what do we want to do? And the DM may say, well, here's the setting, or here's some of the, um, the core conflicts that you're going to be dealing with. Um or proposing a set of them. Here's here are three different core conflicts you could deal with. I can play off of any of these and here's the setting because it's the setting I like. If you don't like that, then you can suggest a different setting, but chances are I'm not going to run it. <laughs> so, at that point, if you're empowering your your players to help mold their characters of that like that along with some of their background, you're at some point you're empowering them and you I think you need to get them to be comfortable with them doing a little bit of the world building. They can, yeah. yeah. Absolutely. No. I think that's gonna be another topic. Well I'm just saying because and, and I struggle with this a lot when I first start playing. I think it's a very natural reaction to think that when you first start playing as a player world building is strictly off limits and so it will feel inappropriate for it to do that so you may have to coax your players into saying hey how how do you think this should be structured or i, I like think that. we should record our session zero just so we can okay. we can give people an example of here's here's how we're going to do it okay i'm fine with I'm, that. I'm just going to like put a mic in the middle of the, the table it's going to be shitty audio but 
and then we're going to argue for four hours about <laughs> what we actually want to do. It's going to be us sitting around eating snacks, talking, yeah. And, yeah. and yeah, yeah. I don't want it. I don't want us to be focused on making it like an entertaining thing for listeners. Just like here is an example: if you're bored and want to listen to three hours of people talking about uh, whether or not they want to be an assassin or a thief or a, then then tune in. Okay. Content's content. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, now I think we're done. Yes, we are totally done. <laughs> All right. Thank you, everybody. Thank you. Thank you. Next episode, we discuss how players can contribute to the DM's world and help build a more extensive and immersive world. As always, if you have comments or suggestions, reach out to us on Twitter at Dungeon underscore Tangent or go to our website, DungeonsandTangents.net. That's all for this episode. Thanks for joining us. 